Christ, which she didn't. She was talking about viewing an astronaut or a spaceship that once flew to, flew to space, and that was just something bigger that she was a part of. I stand here to tell you that, that there is more, than, more to life than what she described. There is more to life than just going through a routine. You can be a part of something bigger, something significant. But I will tell you this. I disagree with that we all need to discover what it is. Jesus has revealed what that is in his word. We don't need to go on this big, long journey, this semi-spiritual journey to find out what our purpose is in life. If you have repented and believed in the gospel, you have purpose. Because Christ has given you purpose and he has revealed it in his word. People from all history have wanted to do something significant. They've wanted to make a difference. Be a part of something more. That's not unique to us today. The disciples were no different. They wanted to do something significant. They were confused as to what that significant work that they were going to do was, though. They thought Jesus was the Messiah that was going to come and overthrow the Roman Empire. And that's what was going to be their, their legacy. But the passage that we're looking at today, and we looked at it last week as well, Jesus reveals that the significant work that they're going to be doing is not overthrowing the Roman Empire but it's going to take place in the context of his church. It's going to take place in the context of his church. This is Jesus' first time revealing his plans for his church after he would go to be with the Father. That's where the, the significance lies. And we're going to talk about what that is, what the impact is, and what actually it is that he is calling us to do as we read this passage. So if you will, look, at, look with me to Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell that no one that he was the Christ. Jesus, in this passage, invites his disciples to be a part of the significant work that he is doing. But that invitation does not lie with just the disciples. Jesus invites you to be a part of the significant work that he is doing in this world. Jesus invites you to be a part of the significant work that Jesus is doing in this world. Well, the three verses, that were, or the, really the two verses that we're going to be looking at today are verse 18 and 19. And they've stirred up a lot of controversy uh, over the years. And honestly, there's about as many interpretations as there are commentators on, on, this, on this, these two verses. So I want to break down uh, a little bit of it and just talk through it with you guys. It says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. That's where the controversy lies primarily. And to be honest with you, it, it's really a, a controversy that has arisen 
over um, a certain group of people's attempt to establish unbiblical, or not attempt, they do it, they establish unbiblical church government and beliefs based on this verse. The secession of, of Peter being the first pope down, down on. An unbiblical practice that is taken from this verse, that that's, that's one interpretation. Peter is that kind of rock. There are conservatives who say that Peter, Peter is, is the rock, and it's, it's not in a way of Pope secession, but it's just he's, he's just the rock, and, this Peter, and Jesus is just talking to Peter here. There are some who say that it's Peter's confession that is the rock, and there are others who say that, that Jesus is contrasting Peter with the true rock, which is Jesus Christ. And I think that is what this text is saying. Um, I'm not the only one that has stood out and said that. John MacArthur, Douglas O'Donnell, just to name a couple. But like I said, there's many interpretations out there, faithful, uh, faithful conservatives on, on many different angles. But I want to show why I think that what Jesus is talking about is that he is the rock. First we see here is that in, in Scripture this word Petra, which means rock. Petra, Petras, Peter, rock. Any time in Scripture the, the word rock is used, it has two uses. It either refers to a rock like that's laying on the ground, or it refers to uh, some kind of symbolic, symbolical nature of it. Many authors use it symbolically. It's not just, not just Paul. But when they all use it symbolically, I'm looking at every verse except this one, they all use it to refer to Jesus Christ. Any time the word rock is used in the New Testament in a symbolic way, Outside of this passage, it is, it is used to refer to Jesus Christ. Second, if Peter was really the rock that Jesus was wanting to build, his, the foundation that his, Jesus was going to build his church on, uh, one, it would be kind of an outlier with what we know that Jesus being the cornerstone, the foundation. But we also, it wouldn't be natural in the language to say what, what, what Jesus said. He says, I tell you, you're a Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. It would have been much more natural in the language and in English to say, if Peter was the foundation, I tell you, you are Peter, and on you I will build my church. But he doesn't say that. He says, on this rock. And what Jesus is doing here, I think, is a wordplay. Petros means rock, is a rock, and Petra means rock. It's, he's, he's contrasting these words of saying, hey, you are a rock, but on the rock I will build my church. The rock being himself. He's praising Peter for his faith and his confession Jesus is clearly the one doing the work in this passage. It says, he will build, Jesus says, I will build my church. I will give you the keys. This is a, a Christ-centered passage. So I think what we're, what we're seeing here is the foundation for doing the significant work of Christ is to recognize that Jesus is the rock that we build on. He's the foundation, but we also recognize that Jesus is the one building his church. Jesus is the one building his church. Peter, Peter even talks about this in his epistle that he writes. Look, at, look with me in 1 Peter chapter 2. It's going to be on the screen. He says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. 
So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders have rejected have be- has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock, Petra, of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Peter's kind of recommissioning with the exact same thing that Peter, Jesus did to him. You're a rock that is being built upon the foundation. And it is through you that the, the worship of God will take place. So Jesus is building his church. That's foundational to understanding the significant work that we're called to be doing in this world. Because we must come to point is that, one, Jesus is the foundation, but also Jesus is the one who's actually doing the work. It's the grace of God working in us and through us. That's the first thing to come and understand. I mean, you believe in the gospel, but from there, that's the first thing you understand is that it's not actually you doing the work of significance. It's Christ in you working through you. Jesus is the one building his church, not you. But the second step is understanding the victory that is found in Jesus because Jesus will win the war that is against his church. Jesus will win the war that is against his church. It says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of Hades will not overpower the church. That has twofold meaning for us. One, Jesus is protecting his church. No other organization on the face of the planet has experienced as much hatred persecution and opposition as the church of Jesus Christ has. Throughout the years, every century on every continent, the church of Jesus Christ has been opposed. Yet, it has withstand, withstood. We're all sitting here together, worshiping God in the context of a local church. Hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem, Israel, where this was said to a group of 11 men, or 12 men, one who would betray them. The fact that we are sitting here in a, in a, a context in the church that Jesus said would, the gates of hell would not prevail it after centuries and, and millennia of opposition is a testament to the faithfulness of Christ. He will protect his church to the very end. No amount of opposition will ever destroy the work that Jesus is doing in this world. He will see it through to the end. How many of you know the building on, on 77 coming into uh, Rainbow City, the unfinished one? Been unfinished for like 30 years. <laughs> I remember when that started to be built, I guess, I don't know, maybe it was already been built. I, I, it could be older than I am. I was excited. I was like, hey, we got something coming in here. And ironically, it kind of looks like a church. And they built it for a little bit, and then they stopped, and they built it for a little bit, and then they stopped, and they put some walls up, and it looked like, hey, they're they're getting pretty close to open. But they stopped. The builder stopped building. And now it's an unfinished project. It's for sale. It's probably never going to sell because then you've got to pay the money to destroy the building and build something that looks actually good. I want to tell you that Jesus is not that kind of builder. He will see this through to the end and beyond. Because Jesus, not only will he protect his church, he will resurrect his church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The gates of Hades 
more literally translated. Hades had a, carried a connotation of the keeper of the dead. Gates is more of a defensive, keep people in. It said that will not prevail against the church because the power of death has no hold on believers of Jesus Christ. He will resurrect this church, his church, because he is the resurrection and the life. You have no need to fear death. Not even death can overpower the church of Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. Because one day he will raise us up. And this body of mine, as weak and feeble as it is, will burst forth out of the grave. And they will be given a, I will be given a new one. And I will be able to worship God forever and ever and ever in the presence of Christ himself. Seeing him face to face. Completely restored. No more brokenness. But perfection. Forever. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church because Jesus is victorious. He is the victorious one. Now, I've talked a lot about what Jesus is doing, and I think that's intentional because what Jesus is, is doing impacts what we do. And before you can make a significant impact in this world, you must come to know that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of the living God, what we talked about last week. You must understand that Jesus is the one who is building his church. He's the one who's doing the work and that Jesus is victorious and he is going to protect his church and he's going to resurrect his church. But what has he given us to do? The last point is simply this, is that Jesus has given you the keys. Jesus has given you the keys. So what does this mean? What about this keys? This verse 19, let's look at it. And I tell you... Or, I will, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let me start by telling you what this is not. Peter's not up in heaven right now with a little key ring on his belt waiting to open up the pearly gates to let us into heaven. That's not what this is talking about. Peter has been given the keys, and it was meant to be used on earth. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter's ministry was earthly, not heavenly. But his earthly ministry had a heavenly significance. It had an eternal significance, what he was doing on this earth. So what about the binding and loosing? Well, to understand the binding and loosing, you need to understand what the keys are, which the keys are the gospel message. It is with the gospel message that we open wide the doors to the kingdom of heaven. We proclaim that Jesus is the door and that he is the way and the truth and the life. And that those who believe in him, the one who came and lived and died for us, paying the full penalty of sin in our place, and then rose from the dead and gives life to those who repent and believe in him, and he will come back again and gather those who love him and who know him and who have been trusted in him and you will reign with him forever. That Jesus, he has given you the keys, the gospel message, the, 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 the proclamation of life, the message of salvation. Acts 13, it says that he has made you a light for the Gentiles so that you may bring the sal salvation to the ends of the earth. He has given us the keys to open wide the door to the kingdom of heaven to anyone who would repent and believe in the gospel. The keys are the gospel message. 
So what about the binding and loosing? If I proclaim the gospel to someone and they repent of their sins and they turn from their sins and they believe in Jesus, Christ has given me and you the authority to look at them and say, you have been set free from sin. You have been set free from the power of sin. You are loosed from its bondage. When we proclaim the gospel, when we open up the doors to the kingdom of heaven, people come in, they have been set free from the power of sin and death. And we can proclaim that to them in total confidence. And not only knowing that we're not just saying empty words, but that heaven agrees. That they have been set free and heaven agrees. Their names are written in the book of life and Christ will come and gather them one day. But what that also means is when we proclaim the gospel, people reject it. Acts says when, when Paul was preaching the gospel to Jews and they rejected his message before he went to the Gentiles, he said this, and the same is true for us, is that when people reject the gospel, they judge themselves unworthy of eternal life. You've opened the door to eternal life for them by presenting the gospel to them. And they judge themselves unworthy of eternal life. Our responsibility is not to convert Jesus is the one who builds his church. Our, our responsibility is just to open the door. To share the gospel. That's what Jesus has given us. He has given us the keys of the kingdom of, to the kingdom of heaven. Not just Peter. Not just the apostles. But to all who have believed and repented of their sins. He has given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who's followed Peter and suit making that confession, God has given the keys and the responsibility to share his gospel. It's not just the role of evangelists or preachers, but every disciple of Jesus Christ has the responsibility to tell others about Jesus. We've all been saved by his grace, so we want to communicate his grace, those who are in Christ. So how do we do that? I think we actually learned some principles on how to share the gospel and what to share in this, in this passage. And Jesus' response, he says, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He highlights the grace of God, that God graciously revealed who Jesus was to Peter, how he pours out the measure of faith that we need to respond to him, how he, he by, by grace that we are saved, that he died on the cross while we were still enemies. The grace of God is paramount to the gospel. So when you share the gospel, share the gospel of grace. Because of the grace that Christ has shown you, share that same grace with others. Share the gospel of grace. And because of all the grace that God has shown us and the fact that it is Jesus who is building his church, not you, share the gospel with humility. You and I aren't better than anybody else. It's by grace that you've been saved, not by works that no man may boast. Father revealed it to us in heaven. Share the gospel with humility. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Don't, don't view yourself as better than others. Especially if they're still bound in their sin. Share the gospel of grace and share the gospel with humility. And if you are going out and sharing the gospel, don't let spiritual pride get in there. You're not the one building his church. Jesus is. 
Obedience is a result of grace, just as much as salvation is. It is the grace of God that has saved us, and it is the grace of God that is sanctifying us. It is a response to His grace that we obey. If we didn't have the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be able to do anything right. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Share the gospel with humility. But don't let that humility lead you to to cower. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. No amount of opposition can stop Jesus growing his church. So share the gospel with boldness. Don't let fear creep in. It may be inconvenient, awkward, but share the gospel boldly. And in that same vein, share the gospel of hope. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Jesus is going to resurrect us one day. He's going to restore the brokenness. He's going to make all things new. So when you share the gospel, tell people of the future reality that is, found to be in, that is going to be found in Christ. Where there's no more sin, where there's no more shame, no more guilt, no more tears, no more death, no more chemical warfare, No more bombs, no more wars, no more tornadoes, no more sexual assault, no more divorce. All the brokenness that we see as a result of sin will be restored in Jesus Christ one day. Share the gospel of hope. People are dying to hear it. People who are living in brokenness, they, just, they, they need to hear the message of restoration and hope. So when you share the gospel, share the gospel of hope. But don't just point towards the future. Point to the here and now. Share the gospel of freedom. The gospel sets you free from the powers of sin. To where you no longer have to be a slave to your addiction. Or to your, 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 your sinful passions. You no longer are enslaved by your guilt, your shame, your depression, your anxiety. Whatever it may be. Share the gospel of freedom. Sure, it may not come overnight, but Christ is going to be working in that person. He will set them free from the the bondage of sin. That comes overnight. The application of it may take a little bit longer. So when you share the gospel, share the gospel of grace and of hope and of freedom and do it in humility and with boldness. Jesus has given you the keys, the gospel message, to proclaim his salvation to the world, to open wide the door to the kingdom of God. Do you remember when you turned 16 and you got your keys for the first time to drive your car? You can ride without your parents, go on dates without your parents, not have to worry about looking lame because your mom's dropping you off somewhere. But you had the freedom to drive. Do you remember how significant you felt in that moment? You've been looking. That's what you've been looking for. That's what you've been desiring. I want to drive and have the freedom that comes with being a car. And and you get those keys for the first time. and And you get to drive. And you use them. Could you imagine getting those keys 
Pastor, you know in your heart, that's what I've been, I've been looking forward to driving. Could you imagine getting those keys and then just putting them on the table and never using them? Of course not. Many of you are agonized over the question, what difference will I make in this world? Some of you are younger in, in here, middle school, high school, college, young adulthood, young adulthood, late children. That's kind of what I call myself. Um, many of you are in that stage of life, and you're wondering, what's my purpose? What difference will I make in this world? Will I, will I do something significant? I want to. Share the gospel. Jesus is doing a significant work in this world, and he is inviting you to be a part of it by sharing the gospel. Some of you are a little bit older, and you're looking back on your life, and you're going, did I do anything significant? Is anyone going to remember me when I'm gone? My challenge to you is to share the gospel. To share the gospel. Begin with your, your family, your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers. Seek people out. And maybe you're just in between. Share the gospel. If you want to make a significant difference in this world, then share the gospel. Because there's plenty of things that you can get a part, be a part of that are bigger than yourself. But you know what? The results are always temporary. You know, when you share the gospel with someone and they repent and believe in the gospel, not only have you changed their life on this earth, but you have changed their, their you haven't, but their eternity has changed as well. Jesus uses broken people like you and me to redeem other broken people. And it comes when we share the gospel and we open wide the doors to the kingdom of heaven. So just like a kid wouldn't get his keys from his father or his mother and just put them, put them away and never use them. Don't take the gospel message that Jesus has entrusted us with, the pathway to fulfilling our purpose in him, in this world, and just not use it. Yet so often that's what we do. So often that's what I do. Why would we receive the keys to the kingdom of heaven and never open the door wide by sharing the gospel? Our hearts are longing to, to do something significant. And Jesus has given us the means to do that. Yet so often, we just say, no, I'm not going to share the gospel. It doesn't make sense. I'm going to challenge you today. You've heard it. Jesus is inviting you to be a part of something significant in this world. The work that he's doing. We do that by sharing the gospel. So share the gospel. Father, thank you for your word, the truth. 
and the conviction it brings. May we be people who respond to your message. That we respond to the grace and the mercy and the love and the hope and the freedom that you've given us so freely in yourself. And that we would take that and share that with others. Proclaiming your gospel message. Open wide the door to the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to respond and obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So maybe you've heard a clear call that, to share the gospel today. The Spirit is prompting you in that. Maybe it's a conviction and you need to repent of, of not sharing the gospel. The steps may be a, a good place for you to pray. Maybe you're, you're engaged in that and you have lost people on your mind that you want to pray for. The steps are a great place to come pray. There'll be people up front who will pray with those, for, for those people with you. Maybe you're realizing, well, I can't really share the gospel with someone because I haven't believed in it myself. If that's you today, challenges you to repent today and believe.